All right, so today's message is titled Dealing with Your Struggles About the Church's Love for You. And I was going to do this as part of that one series that I did, Dealing with Your Own Objections About God's Love for You, but um, it ended up not working out time-wise, and I decided to just make it its own thing. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So the first thing I want to do is get into kind of just defining the issue. So we tend to struggle with having an exaggerated view of the negative thoughts that others have towards us. We also tend to be prone to believe, whether or not it's true, that others don't actually like us or care about us, and most of us struggle with this at one point or another during our lives. I'm going to read that again, actually. We tend to struggle with having an exaggerated view of the negative thoughts that others have toward us, and we tend to be prone to believe that they don't actually care about us or like us. And we t most people tend to struggle with this at some point in their lives. So this sermon's this series, this is going to be two parts. This is going to be a bit different from the last one. Um, because the church's love for you is very different from God's love for you. Um, God's love for you is perfect. The church's love is not. But the church's love will be one day. Um, as will you. This is an issue that probably all of us struggle with to some degree. Um, I can't think of a single person I know, even the most confident people I know, who've never struggled with this. I, I tried while I was preparing for this. I can't think of one. I don't know anybody who hasn't struggled with this. And um, so before we get into this, I do want to say this sermon doesn't quite have as much scripture quotations as I usually have but it's a biblically important subject, and that's why I'm teaching on it. It's related to, again, your relationship with the church, which the Bible places a large amount of value on. But if you struggle with this and don't do anything about it, this will hinder your relationship with the church greatly. This will hinder you in life greatly. Um, on that, I do want to look at Hebrews 12, verse 1. I'm actually going to read it from the New Living Translation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. The NASB uses the word encumbrance. I like the NLT. It uses weight that slows us down. Most translations use weight. Uh, the Christian Standard Bible uses hindrance. But, um, you know, if you struggle with this ongoingly, and you might not know that you do, this will be a hindrance in your life. This will be a hindrance in your Christian growth. This will be a hindrance in how effective you are for the kingdom. This will be a hindrance in, like, all your most important relationships in life. And that's a problem. That's worth doing something about. That needs dealt with. All right, so the first section to this, um, as I usually structure my messages, why this issue is important. I've got four reasons. 
So number one, like I just said, this affects all of your most important relationships. And I have three specific major areas of your most important relationships it affects. Number one, it affects how close you will be with others in the church. And we're supposed to have like close relationships with brothers and sisters in the church. Like Christ calls us to be brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be family. But I'm not going to be that close to anyone who I'm constantly worrying about. They don't really like me. They don't actually want to hang out with me. Like I'm not going to trust them. And that's going to hinder my relationship with them. I'm not going to want to hang out with them if I'm assuming they probably don't want to hang out with me. And if they probably don't really care about me, I'm not really going to pursue being close with them. But that's a part of what the church needs to be. If the church isn't a family, the church isn't being a good witness to what a redeemed people is supposed to be. You can't have close relationships without trust. And if this is affecting your relationships in the church, then it's going to be holding you back from how much of God's grace you experience through the church. And it's also going to be holding you back from um, how much, how effective you are at contributing to the lives of others in the church. Number two, this will majorly affect how your relationship with your discipler and or pastor goes. Because if, if you're struggling with these type of thoughts told, towards the person who's discipling you or pastoring you, you're going to be less open to hear what they have to say, and that just makes sense, right? If they didn't actually care about you, why would you want to hear what they have to say? They're probably biased. They're probably wrong. They don't have your best interest. You know, that thought's inevitable. If you're struggling with this thought towards the person discipling you, you're not going to trust what they have to say nor should you. It wouldn't make any sense. Hearing rebuke from them will be painful, like more painful than rebuke should be. And you won't be able to enjoy a relationship with your disciple or your pastor like you should be able to. And really, that goes for any relationship. Number three, if this is something that um, you struggle with, it'll probably, if you're not married now, affect your marriage. And if, if you struggle with this a lot now and you're married now, even if you don't see it, it probably is affecting your marriage. But it will affect your marriage. You won't be able to have the level of intimacy that you could have with your spouse. It'll cause um, confusion and fights between you and your spouse. And it'll keep you from being able to enjoy the marriage like you ought to be able to. So this, this really does like affect all the most important areas of relationship in your life. And this is something we tend to struggle with. I've struggled with this like on a very serious level for years. And I don't know anyone who hasn't. Later on in some how to fight against this, I'll be mentioning some things that have helped John Gray, but John Gray has struggled with this, like a lot in his past. But like, John Gray is so confident, but... 
Like, all the most confident people you know probably struggle a lot with this, or at least have at some point. Don't think that only I struggle with this, or, you know, only you struggle with this. This affects almost everybody in modern North American society. Number two, this affects a ton of your emotional life. So at least for me, and I think for a number of other people, this can be a real source of depression. In my case, and all the, I don't struggle with depression now, but I used to, and like all the struggles I've ever had with depression, I can tell were related to like the belief and the thought that no one cared about me. I've never struggled, struggled with depression that wasn't caused by that. And I've struggled with depression a lot. And for anyone who I know who struggles with depression, as far as I can tell, it's almost always caused by this. It's almost always caused by the, the idea that other people don't care about me, that I don't have anyone in my life who really cares. Second, it affects anxiety. You know, if, if you think other people are prone to think very negatively of you, you'll always be worrying about how you're doing in social interactions. Like, oh no, if I do this, they're going to hate me. If I wear the wrong thing, they're going to hate me. If I talk too awkwardly or blink too much, they're going to hate me. It causes a lot of anxiety. This really affects your emotional life a lot. Similar to that, number three, this is super connected to fear of man. Having an exaggerated sense of the negative thoughts that others will have towards you is always going to lead to fear of man. In the near future, I'm hoping to do a, a sermon on um, overcoming fear of man in general. But fear of man is just an exaggerated sense of how bad others would think of you if X happened and how bad it would be for you if they did. That's what fear of man is all the time. Every time you ever have it, I'm gonna repeat the definition again, fear of man is just an exaggerated sense of how bad others would think of you if X happened and how bad it would be for you if they did. So this is very connected to fear of man. fourth reason why it's important to deal with this is um, demons want you to believe this. Demons want you to struggle to accept the church's love for you. Like, I don't know if you've read any of the books on deliverance, but, you know, there's documented cases that there are demons of rejection issues. There's, like, Satan's kingdom wants you to not believe the church's love for you because they know that that's going to hinder your life and hinder your effectiveness for the kingdom. Anything demons want you to believe, you shouldn't believe. The Bible teaches we should be aware of Satan's devices. Demons want you to struggle to accept the church's love for you. All right, so that's my four reasons why this is important. 
next, we're going to get into what you should believe about the church's love for you. Or the beliefs you should have that will help in this area. So number one, this helped me a lot. Um, I feel like a lot of this for me, a lot of this struggle came from the idea, the belief that I don't have anything to offer to others, or I don't have anything to offer socially, or I'm not likable. But, um, but your ability to offer things of value to others is not something that can be taken away from you. It's not something you can screw up. So you need to believe that. And the reason for that is because it was given to you by God. So again, my struggles with this largely came from the idea that, um, you know, I don't have, people wouldn't enjoy hanging out with me. I don't have anything to offer to others socially. But if a person lives by the relational principles laid out in God's word, you can guarantee that they will have things to offer to other people socially. So that means that your ability to provide social value to others is not something you know, that's just you have it or you don't. It's given by God and you use it or you don't. It's given by God and it can't be taken away. This is very important because like, I used to struggle a lot with, um, you know, if I mess up at this, no one will ever like me, I just won't have any worth. Like I, I felt that a lot, like all the time. But it's not true. The worth that you have before God, we covered that in the series as it relates to God's love for you, or, you know, last series. Your worth before God can't be taken away. Not just that, your worth before the church can't be taken away. There's nothing you can do to get rid of it. Because it comes from God. If a person lives by the relational principles laid out in God's word, they will have social value for others. You were made in God's image. You have things to offer others. God doesn't make worthless people. God makes beautiful and useful and awesome people. So I think that belief makes a big difference. It's very important. Number two, something that I find helpful in this type of struggle is the belief that you will be loved by the church for all eternity, by like everyone in the church. So there are, this, this sermon is different from the last one on like God's love. God always loves you perfectly. The church does not always love you perfectly, unfortunately. There are struggles. Um, but those struggles are temporary. Because God is sanctifying you. God is sanctifying everyone in his church. So that means that for all eternity, you know, any issue that does exist now relationally will pass. It's guaranteed to. It won't last. And I think this is still something that can provide comfort and confidence in this. Um, it really, I think, makes like our quarrels look really stupid. So if I'm bitter towards someone and I'm offended at them, like, I, I should think about one day, 70 years from now at the most probably, um, I'm going to look back at this, or we'll both look back on it, and we'll both know who was wrong, but either way, I'll think my partner was stupid, because either I'll realize I was wrong, and I'll think I was stupid, or I'll realize I should have forgiven them, and I'll think it was stupid. Like, 
all of our fights with each other just look really stupid inside of eternity. None of it's going to last. And you should think about that every time you're struggling to forgive someone in the church. One day you're going to look back on it and think it was stupid. Any not getting along with anyone, any fear of what others think, any thinking, you know, even if others are struggling to love you, one day that's going to end. And you should take confidence and comfort in that. And if you avoid relationship with others just because they're not perfect, you're also going to look back on that in eternity and be like, boy, that was stupid. third thing you should believe that will make a difference in this area. You have a role to fill in the church. Nothing can take that role away. It was given by God regardless of how competent you might feel you are. That role is important and valuable and only can be done by you. take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 26. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, that would, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how could you hear? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But all, our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Amen. And the parts that we regard less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care should be given to those that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So if you haven't written those three points down, write them down before we move on. These are three core beliefs every Christian should have. Next, I want to do a short section. Um, you have to learn to identify this issue. 
So if this is something you struggle with, but you don't realize you struggle with it, it's probably never going to get better. Because you have to start to see where your irrational thoughts are. If you don't, you're not going to confront them. You're not going to change them. If you, ne if you struggle with this and you never realize you do, and you never identify it, it'll probably never go away. So you have to learn to identify it. You have to learn to recognize it. And I've got four tips that hopefully are useful on how to start to recognize it. Number one, whenever you think that someone else has strong negative feelings towards you, ask yourself whether or not you're exaggerating them. Just be in the habit of doing that. Number two, ask someone else who you trust whether or not they think you struggle with this. Number three, whenever you find yourself being anxious about what others will think of you, ask yourself whether or not you're exaggerating how badly others will think of you. And number four, ask God these things in prayer. Ask him to show you where you struggle with this at. These will be very useful. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to calculate how much time I have left. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my own personal struggles with this. Um, I figure, why not? Hopefully this will give, um, just be useful as testimony. So I moved to Peru when I was 13 years old. And, um, you know, that was cool. That was fun. I somewhat had trouble making friends there because I didn't speak Spanish. I eventually learned Spanish. But by the time I learned Spanish, it was time to move back to the States. So... You know, that was, that was a thing. Um, then I moved back to the States when I was 16. And I really had a hard time making friends. Um, it didn't help that I didn't go to school, but I still went to church, and I would somewhat try to make friends when I was at church. I at least expected to make friends at church. And since no one would really talk to me, and I was having such a hard time making friends, after a few months... I just naturally, it wasn't like I really logically thought it through, but I just naturally started to believe I must be a dislikable person. Nobody ever talks to me, like ever. People seem to just avoid it. Um, 
And that belief really gradually, it started to grow a lot and it really messed me up in life. It really affected all my relationships with other people. It caused me to struggle way more with fear of man than I ever did before. It, it caused me to struggle with fear of man so bad it made like most everyday things difficult in life. Um, so that's not good. And it, it took a, a good amount of time to get over it. But what really helped, um, you know, coming to GCF, um, making more friends really helped. <laughs> but when I really realized that one principle that we talked about, that your worth can't be taken away from you. It was given by God and it can't be taken away. You might not be using it, but it can't be taken away. Everyone has social worth given by God and it can't be taken away. That really helped me so much. Because that's what I believed about myself. I'm like, no one wants to talk to me. I must not have anything to offer to people. That got built into my head so hard I couldn't get over it. And it caused like a crippling level of fear of man. But we, we all have a tendency to kind of be unreasonable somewhat. Like my thinking that was unreasonable. Like, I, I should have realized, like, my, my internal process was nobody talks to me, nobody likes me, I'm dislikable. But I didn't realize that um, I wasn't really trying to talk to other people. I probably looked like someone who didn't want others to talk to me. I kind of sat in a corner and looked sad the whole time. But, you know, if you're struggling with these things, you're, you think you're being reasonable about it, but you're probably not. That's why you have to learn to identify the issue. You need to like ask God if you're struggling with this. Because like I was so sure that it was true, but I wasn't being reasonable about it. And it's very hard to see when you're not being reasonable. So ask God if you struggle with this, and ask a trusted person whom you know if you have one, uh, if they think you struggle with this. All right, um, next. We're going to get into some specific ways to fight against this. So I would have liked to have structured this a little bit differently, but if I would have structured how I wanted it to, it would have been an hour and 15 minutes. So, so next week, we're going to get into, um, similar to how I structured dealing with your own objections about God's love for you, we're going to get into some specific objections or specific struggles that people have in this area and appropriate uh, responses to them, but I just didn't have time for that this week. So, structuring it a bit backwards, I would have put this after that, but I'm going to put it before that. Um, some specific ways to fight against this. So this first one, I call it start writing down compliments when you get them, but this is something, I was talking to John Gray two weeks ago about the idea of doing this sermon, and you know, he told me this is something he struggled with a lot. You know, this affected like all his relationships in the church. Because if you struggle with this in general, this is going to affect like every area of your life, but especially your relationships in the church. And that's going to be a problem. But John Gray used to like really struggle with this. And um, I think this is when he was in Alaska. This may have been when he was in Cedarville. But 
so people would give him compliments, and he would always think internally, they don't really mean that, like every time. He would always respond that way in his heart. They don't really mean that. They don't really mean that. And then one day, somebody who he knew, who they were the type of person who if they did think something negative about you, they would just say it, I think is what he was telling me. And they gave him a pretty good compliment. And he believed them. And that made somewhat of a difference. But somehow he got the idea that he should just start writing down compliments whenever he gets them. Like, by that point, he could tell that he had an irrational struggle with this. And like I said, that if you struggle with this, you need to get to that point where you can tell you have an irrational struggle with this, or else you won't get over it. So John Gray got to that point. That's very important to note. He realized he had an irrational struggle with this. And then he started writing down compliments whenever he got them. He would actually write them down in his Bible, I think. Um, this, like, over time really helped. You should ask John Gray about it, because he can tell it better than I can. But this really helped him. This was like a significant um, area of growth in this issue for him when he started doing this. But please talk to John Gray about it. Ask him about it. Number two, try to look, if you're struggling with fear of man in a certain social situation, try to look at that situation through other people's eyes. So this is just something that used to help me. Um, if I was really struggling with anxiety of what other people thought of me, like in, when I walked into the room, I would try to visualize seeing the room from their stance, like physically. And when I did that, it clicked, oh, they're totally not thinking about me and what I'm doing. They're thinking about them and what they're doing. They're not thinking about you and what you're doing. They're not thinking about how your shirt's a little bit wrinkled. They're thinking about how they want coffee. <laughs> For sure, you can bet. It's... But it, it's worth, like doing that small mental exercise helped so much. And I had to repeat it, but it would help me get, oh, they don't really care that my shirt's a little wrinkled. They're focused on what they're doing, as they should be. You're not the center of everyone's world, but you'll be prone to believe that if you don't think about it. Social anxiety makes you the center of everyone else's world in your own mind. Social anxiety really does make you the center of everyone else's world in your own mind. Number three, meditate on the truth. So I think a good place, for any issue I have, meditating on the truth is always part of the solution because you know the truth will set you free. But like go back, just for starters, to the three principles that every Christian should believe that I mentioned earlier that affect this area and just write them down and meditate on them. Like take the time to really think through them. Let them affect how you think about other areas of life. Like, take the time to really think through them. It'll, it'll change things. Number four, sozo and deliverance. Sozo and deliverance can really help in this area. Again, there are demons that want you to struggle to accept the church's love for you. Deliverance can help with that. If you don't know what a sozo is, you should talk to Amber about it. Uh, sozo can help with this. 
Number five, prayer and fasting. If anything's an ongoing struggle in your life, praying and fasting should be something you do about it. You should pray for like anything that's important in your life, just as a habit. But if something's an ongoing struggle, you need to regularly be praying about it, and you should probably start to fast about it. We need to, as a church, have more faith in the power of prayer. We need to like see prayer as a key weapon in every, everything we're trying to do. there's any ongoing struggle that you have that you're not praying and fasting about, you should rethink that. All right, next section. Don't let desire for safety keep you struggling with this. So, you know, if you struggle with this, you don't trust others um, that they love you. And it can be tempting to just keep not trusting them because it's, it's a risk to trust other people. And you can easily be afraid to trust other people um, in such a way that you accept your love for them. This was a real struggle for me. Because what I went through in not having friends and going through like months of depression for that was so painful that I started to want to not trust others that they actually cared. Like I could tell that I wanted that at some point. Um, I wanted to not trust others. And if you struggle with this bad enough, this is probably something that goes on in your own heart. It's very possible you don't want to trust others. You want to believe that others don't love you. I had that belief about God, or I had that desire at one point. I didn't want to believe that God loved me because I didn't want to be caught off guard if it, you know, I didn't want to take the risk of trusting it. But if you find yourself struggling with that, you need to see that both are risks. So you can either risk, you know, being caught off guard and risk finding out that others don't love you when you believe they did, or you can risk never having close relationship. And really that's, A, that's risking a lot more, and B, it's not like, well, there's a chance to have close relationship. There's close to none. Like if you allow yourself to continually struggle with this and you don't do anything about it, you're basically crossing off the possibility of having close relationship with others. You're crossing off the possibility of having close, important relationships in the church. And if you have this in your relationship with God, like I used to, you're crossing off the possibility of having a close relationship with God. So that's a way worse risk. You can't escape risk. If you ever learn about entrepreneurship in school, like you're risking losing your money if you don't start an entrepreneurial venture, but you're risking not making that money if you don't start. There's no way to escape risk. You're risking not winning by not trying. But this is just so much bigger than any other area, or than a lot of areas. 
you can't just cross off the possibility of having close relationships in the church and especially of having a close relationship with God. So if this fear is something you struggle with, you know, do whatever it takes to get past it. But you need to, it'll help, because this will be a hard fear to overcome if you struggle with this. It was for me. But um, you need to, like, meditate on it enough to the point where you're beating it into your own head. They're both risk, and the other is way worse. Way worse. You need to meditate on that. You need to get it into your head and get it into your heart. And if you maintain just living in the fear and not trusting others or not trusting God, I guarantee you're going to regret it. I guarantee it. All right, so in conclusion, um, one, take a good, hard, honest look at how much you struggle with this. Or if you struggle with it, how much and where and pray that God would show you. Number two, don't let fear get in the way. Whatever you do, don't let fear get in the way. And conclusion point number three, do whatever it takes to deal with this. If you realize that you do struggle with this, don't just like do nothing about it. Overcoming this will change your life if this is something you struggle with. Overcoming this will change your life. It will probably greatly reduce depression and anxiety in your life. And that alone would be life-changing if you struggle with those things. I didn't have it written down, but conclusion point number four, make sure you hear part two next week. <laughs> Again, next week we will be talking about common, you know, struggles, common specific struggles in this, and, you know, the appropriate ways to, to war against them, <laughs> to argue with them in your own head, in your own heart. So we're going to close in prayer, and then we might have time for question and answer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can come here um, and fellowship with each other. Thank you that you love us, and you provide us with fellowship with you, and you provide us with fellowship with each other, and you give us love for each other, and you give others love for us. We thank you that your church is a family, and you have so blessed us with that. We pray that we would take advantage of that, and we pray that fear would not hold us back. We pray that um, we would be bold people who overcome fear of man. And we pray that we would have wisdom from you and overcome the areas where we're not being reasonable. We thank you for your grace and amen.